We're continuing our series this morning, uh, Pray is our series. Again, action, verb, what we do, um, not a noun. And today, we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking specifically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And uh, this is a big deal. If you're new to Beaches Chapel, we are a Spirit-filled church. That means that we worship in the Spirit, we pray in the Spirit, we are led by the Spirit in everything that we do here. Um, because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's what we sang about this morning. If you notice, uh, it was, it's been prophesied already this morning, and we're going to discuss it this morning, the power of the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's interesting that this topic, the Holy Spirit, it can be, it not can be, but it is polarizing within the church, actually. And not just within the church, but even within a spirit-filled church like Beaches Chapel. Because as, as I introduced the topic this morning, I think there's some of us that lean forward, we're on the edge of our seats like, ooh, goody, it's about time James started talking about some Holy Spirit up in here. I was about to complain because I haven't heard enough of it, right? And so we get excited, but there is another group that, that is in here this morning that's going, I wonder if I tell my wife that my stomach hurts, if she'll believe me and we can dip out because it's fixing to get a little weird and I didn't know that this is what we were talking about this morning. Look, a lot of us have been there, right? When you're introduced to the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues specifically, elephant in the room, it can feel weird, all right? I get it, all right? We're going to address all of that this morning. But it is a polarizing topic because here's the thing about things that are polarizing. They're never weak, right? Things that are polarizing are, are, are powerful and, and there's passion on both sides of it. You know, there's, it, it's, it's, it, it, there's nothing, there is nothing that is more powerful, though, than the Holy Spirit. There is nothing, in case you missed it, I'm going to say it again, that is more powerful than the Holy Spirit. And what we have to remember when we talk about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is God, all right? God is the triune God, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so as we get excited about talking about God and as we get excited about talking about Jesus, we need to have equal excitement, not fear, not worry, but excitement and expectation over the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the Lord. The Holy Spirit is God. The difference is God is in heaven on his throne. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He had his time here on earth, and it was an amazing time. Changed us, changed history, changed the course of everything. But Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And so wouldn't it make sense for us to focus on the Holy Spirit who is here? And I don't know if you all could tell, but this morning in worship, the Holy Spirit is here. I mean, I, I was about to just tap Ben and say, we don't need a sermon. Just keep going. You're preaching it already. The Holy Spirit is moving. And so this morning, I'm going to keep it uh, on the shorter side. I'm going to try, I should say, because the Holy Spirit does not need me to speak on his behalf. Father, forgive me if I ever thought he did. The Holy Spirit is going to speak for himself as we respond this morning to the message that God has put before us. Thank you, Jesus. What we need to understand, first and foremost, is that the Christian walk is a supernatural walk. From the very onset, from the very beginning, the walk of the Christian, of believing in Jesus and following after Jesus, is a supernatural walk. Because in order to follow Jesus, we have to believe in Jesus. We have to believe that he, as God, came down to this earth, was born of a virgin, which, by the way was from the Holy Spirit. 
we can go to Christmas real quick, which is in about four months, right? Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Uh, Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to conceive the Son of God, and you're going to call him Jesus. She says, that's great. How in the world is that going to happen? I'm a virgin. Oh, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you, right? And so if we're excited about Jesus, we have to be excited about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was there at conception, all right? It's a supernatural walk. And so we believe that Jesus was on this earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross for our sins and was raised three days later by the Holy Spirit. And now through his life and death and resurrection, we believe with our hearts and we profess with our mouths that we are saved through Jesus. That is a supernatural faith. That is a supernatural belief. And so our walk is supernatural. And if we want to go even beyond that, everything in this book, from page one to the very last page, it's all supernatural. All of it. Bear with me for a second, y'all. In the beginning, God created. Right off the bat. First words of the Bible. Supernatural. So you're telling me that God has always been and always will be, and he was before creation, and he spoke things into existence. He spoke the stars into place. He created the heavens and the earth, and he divided the light and the darkness. In all of these things, yes, I believe it. Do I understand it? No. Do I believe it? Yes. Right? We go into the garden, and Adam and Eve are there, and there is a talking snake. Do I understand it? No. Do I believe it? Yes. Preach, preacher. Let's go a little bit further. We have Moses. He ha he's rescuing the Israelites from Egypt. I'm going to send a plague of locusts, all right? Locusts. Do I understand it? No. Do I believe it? Yes. And then I'm going to take the is Israelites to the Red Sea, and we're going to be trapped, and the Egyptian army is going to be bearing down. But I got an idea. I'm going to touch this sea with my rod, and it's going to split in two. There's going to be dry ground, and we're going to walk across, and it's going to destroy the Egyptian army. Do I understand it? No. Do I believe it? Yes. All right. Hold on. I'm not done. And then let's, I practice this, y'all, okay? We have Joshua who takes over, right? They're going into the promised land. Well, there's this place called Jericho. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk seven days in silence. And then on the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times. And then we're going to shout. And you know what's going to happen? The walls are going to come tumbling down. Do I understand it? No. Do I believe it? Yes. Okay, are y'all getting my point? The entire thing is supernatural. And... We're not even getting to Jesus yet. We're not even to Jesus. I don't even know if we're out of Genesis. All of it is supernatural. We believe in our Savior who walked on water, who took mud or took dirt, spit in it, made mud, put it on someone's eyes, and they were blind and now they weren't. Do we understand it? No. Do we believe it? Yes. And then the Bible dares to say, that I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And out of that, there is going to be a fire that burns in you, that gives you your own prayer language, that allows you to pray to God in such a powerful way that you don't understand it. And here's the sad part, y'all. Do we understand it? No. Do we believe it? I don't know. I don't know. Some of us do. But some of us go, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, I, I, got you, I got you on the talking snake. 
but I'm just not sure about this whole my own prayer language thing. Like, we believe in that a, a snake can talk, but the Holy Spirit can't talk through us. Why? Why is that? And, hey, this is my theory. This is my theory. Because we can read about the supernatural in the Bible and how the supernatural existed in everybody else. But we're a little reluctant to believe that the supernatural can happen through me. We love it on the pages, but we're just not sure about it being in us. And y'all, that's what it's all about. That is what it is all about. We want to apply the supernatural to our life. God wants us to walk in it. He wants us to walk in it. Because the walk of the Christian is a supernatural walk. So instead of trying to understand it all, let's just believe it like we do everything else. I've been speaking in tongues almost my whole life because I had the, I had the great privilege of going here my whole life. And speaking in tongues here, honestly, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's just what we do. And when you grow up in it, that's all you know. But to this day... I cannot explain it to you. And don't think as I'm up here, I'm going to be able to. The second that we think we can, we've lost the power of it. So if you're looking for that, it's not going to happen. I hate to tell you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm out of breath. <laughs> the truth of the Holy Spirit is the gospel message. Let's say that again. The truth of the Holy Spirit is the gospel message. Because the gospel is Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. And it wasn't enough for Jesus to just walk alongside us when he was here on earth. That was not nearly enough. God loves us way too much to just walk alongside us. He wants to be in us. He wants to be intimate with us. He wants to be one with us. And that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Matthew 3 Verse 11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John the Baptist talking. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So what is John saying? He's like, look, I baptize you with water. But I didn't make the water. Right? I'm walking in it just like you are. And it is a baptism of repentance. But there is one, Jesus who is greater than me, whose sandals I can't even carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, fire. We, we, we call Jesus all sorts of different titles. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Son of God. But we rarely ever attach Jesus, the Baptist, Jesus, the baptizer with the name Jesus. We save that for John, but what John himself is saying is that there's someone coming who is greater than me. He's going to baptize you in something far greater. So he is Jesus, the baptizer. All right? The, the mission for Jesus did not end on the cross, as amazing and mind-blowing as that is. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he wanted to baptize us in it. He wanted to pour out the Holy Spirit on us. And the only way to do that was to go to the cross and be baptized on the cross. To be our sacrifice so that as we believe in him, we are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. And guess what? Now we are children of God and we get that spirit too. But it had to happen on the cross first. Salvation had to happen first so that we are now adopted into this family of God. He said, now that you are my children, here is my spirit. 
here is my spirit. And that, that was the passion of Jesus. I have this spirit in me. I have all this power and this fire in me. And I want to give it to you. I want to give you this Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a gift. It is a gift to us. But it was a gift that came with a price. It was the price of Jesus dying on the cross. But he was so desperate to know us in more than just a I walk alongside you way that he died for us so that he could pour out his fire spirit onto us. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit is a gospel message. It is his salvation to us, but it doesn't enter the cross. It doesn't enter the cross. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. John uh, chapter 7, starting in verse 25. Says this, at the point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him. But I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Check this out, verse 30. At at this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Notice it doesn't say that they thought about seizing him or that they wanted to seize him. It says that they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because Jesus was too hot. He was too hot. The fire of the Holy Spirit was in him. And the Holy Spirit said, "Uh uh-uh, it's not his time. You don't lay a hand on him. And when we fan that flame, that gift of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and we speak in tongues every day, and we ask the Lord to fill us with the Holy Spirit, when the enemy tries to come at us, he can't touch us because we're too hot. Because we have the fire of the Holy Spirit in us. So when those temptations of lust, when that temptation of greed, when that temptation of of alcohol and addiction come and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it can't touch us. We are too hot with the fire of the Holy Spirit as much as it might try. There's power in the Holy Spirit, y'all. Such power in it. How sad that we leave it on the shelf because we don't understand it. Or we think it's weird. I'm telling y'all, you'll save a lot of time and energy if you just lean into the weirdness of the Christian walk. All right? Stop trying to match the world with your walk with the Lord. It, It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've heard some people say, you know, the the Holy Spirit just it just isn't for me. I'll, I'll focus on Jesus, I'll focus on God, but it's just not for me. And that's a lie. You know why? Because the Bible says otherwise. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. That you, so when you say that, that the Holy Spirit isn't just me, actually the truth is you were created to house the Holy Spirit. That is your purpose. So don't say that the Holy Spirit is not for you. You were made for the Holy Spirit. You were designed, it's not opposable thumbs, y'all, that that separates us from the rest of creation. It's that we are a temple, not a shack, right? Not a shanty, but we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies and our hearts alone can house the fire of the Holy Spirit. 
So you can go ahead and say that it's not for you or whatever. It's a lie. And it's not me. It's the Bible that says so. We are temples. We are created by God with the purpose of being housed by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How much does God think of us? That as he created us, I'm creating you for my spirit to dwell in you. I'm creating you for a power that is fire from heaven. That is your design. That is our makeup. And again, not some little shack. Not a little lean-to or a tent. But as a temple for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said himself in John 16, verse 7, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus himself. Can you imagine what the disciples must have been thinking when they heard that? What do you mean? Better if you go? What could possibly be better than you? There's no way, Jesus. We've seen what you can do. We've seen your miracles. Say, yeah, I know. There's more. And now, instead of reading it on the pages and seeing me do it, you get to do it. You get a turn. You get to take part in the supernatural. Not just apply it to your life, but walk in it. I say this, the Holy Spirit is not to be feared. Holy Spirit's not to be feared. I know it can be a scary thing. Sit there and pray in an unknown tongue. Something you don't understand. Where's that coming from? What does it mean? I, I, what if someone hears me? The Holy Spirit is not to be feared. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a gift. And God, as our Father, gives good gifts. He gives good gifts. Romans 8, the whole chapter is, is titled, at least is titled, The Life in the Spirit. And Paul takes us on this little this journey about the life in the Spirit. And we, we love to focus on the end of Romans 8. We are more than conquerors, right? And all this oh, rah rah stuff. But the truth is, we get to that place through the Spirit. We get to that place of being more than a conqueror through the life of this, in, this, in the Spirit. Starting in verse 14 of Romans 8, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Holy Spirit's not something that we should be afraid of. It casts out fear. It gets rid of fear. It allows us to walk in truth. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom in the Spirit. Not fear, but chains are broken through the power of the Holy Spirit. Addictions are broken through the power of the Holy Spirit. Demons are cast out through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we fear. It's our greatest tool. It's what sets us free. 
when Paul was in jail worshiping and the ground shook and the prison doors opened, that was the Holy Spirit setting them free. There's freedom in the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this too. God is a God of order. Right? He's not a God of chaos. And if you're new to this whole subject, maybe in your head you're, you're thinking or you've seen like, this is weird and I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to go up there and it's just going to be crazy, right? And that's not the Lord. It's not the Lord. The Bible says that the words of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Meaning like we don't just come up and God just seizes us. We start convulsing on the ground and seizing and all this other stuff. God's a God of order. You know actually what one of the fruits of the Spirit is in Galatians? It says that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Not out of control. When you study the life of Jesus who is filled with the Spirit and he confronts a, a, a demon-possessed person, Jesus is in control. He's chill. He's like, I got this. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit in me. It's the demon that's writhing on the ground. That is uncontrolled. So let's, let's just get rid of that notion for even just a split second that we think if we turn our life over to this Holy Spirit and walk, we're going to become some weirdo that can't control ourselves. It's the opposite. He, God gives us the power of self-control. He gives us an understanding of what we're supposed to do in this moment and that moment and a better clarity of where we go and how to direct our lives. And when we get to this point where we don't know what to do, it's Holy Spirit, lead me. And he leads us in control. So don't fear the Holy Spirit. Don't fear the unknown. Don't fear your lack of understanding, but embrace it like you have everything else in the Bible. Understand that as you do, your life doesn't become more chaotic. It becomes more peaceful. It becomes more passionate. Your worship increases. Reading of the word increases. Your prayer life increases. How you, how you see other people and how you love other people increases. All of a sudden, you're so filled with the Holy Spirit that that person that drove you nuts that you just... <laughs> suddenly, you're like, I'm, I think I'm praying for them. My heart is changing towards them. Why? Because the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit is in you and is changing you. And where you were mad and angry at that person or that thing, you now have self-control over it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to draw closer to the Lord? It's the Holy Spirit. You want to go deeper in the Lord? It's the Holy Spirit. You get to a point, and I know this is all of us in here, where either you've prayed the same thing over and over and you just don't have the strength to pray it anymore. Or you're facing something that is so big and so massive that you just go, Lord, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to pray. He's saying that's okay. Because the Holy Spirit can pray through you. And though you don't understand that language, I do. And it's the perfect prayer. When I was still doing youth ministry, I'll never forget this. It was the most profound thing, and it came out of a teenager, believe it or not. I don't remember the context of the night, what, we were, what the meeting was about, or anything like that. I have no idea. But I remember this girl got up on, on, our, on our stage in our youth room at the time and said to the youth group, to, to her peers, to pray in tongues, because it is the only unselfish prayer that we can pray, because it eliminates us out of the equation. 
and, and I'll be honest with you, there's times where I'm like, God, like I'm having a hard time not being objective in this moment. Like this is really what I want. And I'm, I'm trying to lay it before you, but you know, this is, this is my desire. When at the same time I'm praying, Lord, let your will be done. But separating my will and God's will a lot of times is really hard for me. It's really hard for me. And so what I do is that I eliminate my vocabulary altogether. I say, all right, Lord, here's how I'm going to pray your will be done. I'm just going to pray in the spirit over this. Almost like I don't even trust myself. But that's okay. So I'm just going to pray in the spirit. Or Lord, I'm so fatigued from praying this over and over again. If I hear myself and my voice ask this one more time, I'm going to punch myself in the face. So I'm just going to pray in the spirit. There's power in it, y'all. And if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you need to be. And if you've tried before and it didn't happen, try again. Try again. But this is who we are. This is Beach's Chapel. And if it's not for you, I don't know what to tell you. I hope you come back. But we're going to keep going. And if you liked Beach's Chapel up until this sermon, you... (laughs) Not sure how to gauge that reaction. But what you need to know is what you've been enjoying is the Holy Spirit in here. And so you might as well just take it all. We're going to have a time of prayer. A time to respond and receive this morning. Before we do, the band can come on up. I want to give you just really quick four, real, I mean, I'm just going to read through them, points of how to grow in the Spirit. The first one is to read the Word, and we're going to be talking about that in two weeks. The second one is worship. We're going to start a series on worship in three weeks, so you'll hear more about it then. The third is to ask. Ask. Father, fill me with your Spirit today. Holy Spirit, fill me as I walk. Lead me today, Holy Spirit. Guide me, Holy Spirit. Just like you would Jesus. Ask Jesus or the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit because he's in you. And the fourth is to speak in tongues. If you want to grow in the Spirit, speak his language. Speak his language. And do it over and over again. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So there it is. God knows his own Spirit. He knows his will. And we come to him not knowing those things in our weakness and in our strength. We pray in the Spirit and God listens and he hears and he knows his will. He knows his Spirit. He knows his voice. And he begins to move in our lives. I challenge anyone in here who might be on the fence or just curious or whatever. Find someone in here, it won't be hard, who speaks in tongues and ask them three questions. Do you regret it? Do you regret speaking in tongues? Could you live without it? Can you explain it? All of those answers will be no course I don't regret it. I absolutely cannot live without it. 
and I definitely cannot explain it. It's just something you got to experience. And once you do, you will never look back. For me personally, what, where I developed my prayer language truthfully was in worship. Before in, in prayer, I would just sing in the spirit. And that felt more natural to me as part of the worship team for a long time. That was just where it, it flowed for me at first. And, and I still love singing in the spirit. You might even do a little bit of that. But then as I was able to, I was able to transfer that into my own prayer time. And I want to make this distinction really quickly too. What we are talking about this morning is your own personal prayer language with you and the Lord. This is not about corporate speaking in tongues like we heard earlier. That, that needs a translation. That is a totally different topic. This is about you and the Lord in your room, in your car, up at the altar, wherever, wherever that might be. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, like, I, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. But in a corporate setting, I'd rather say five words that you understand than all these others. That's because he's talking about this order that we were saying earlier. Where if I get up here and I just speak in tongues for 30 minutes, like, y'all may be like, okay. Learn anything this morning, you know? This is about your personal, your personal prayer language with the Lord that is so intimate, so unique to you, just like your fingerprint. And y'all, this is this is the next step. This is the next thing for you. There is nothing else. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the next thing. It's it, it's everything. And I truly believe, y'all, with all my heart, I truly believe that if those of you that are feeling that pull on your heart this morning didn't know what you were walking into, respond. If you respond, then when we came in as Beaches Chapel this morning at 10 o'clock or 10.15 for all of you beach people that don't have a watch, thank you, Jesus. When we came in here this morning as Beaches Chapel, if you respond, we are going to leave this morning a radically different church. Radically different. And I'm going to tell you this. Spoiler alert. We, 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 we're talking about this today because next Sunday, we're going, to, we're going to do a service, a prayer service for healing. For healing. But we can't get to that place until we had today. Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit to experience the miracles next week. We have to have it today first. We have to have it today first. You have to have it. The Lord wants so much more with you. He wants that intimacy. He wants you to have that fire so that when enemy comes, he can't touch you. So that you can walk in self-control. So that when you're so frustrated with life and you don't know what to pray or you're tired of praying it, he says, pray in your tongues. Pray in your prayer language. I got you. I got you. This is the moment. Do not wait. This is the moment. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have our elders come up. We're going to have Don and Joanne. If you are gonna, we're going to be on the sides of the stage this morning. Y'all can come on up. Don and Joanne over here. Robert and Cindy over here as well. Sal and Carmela, y'all are going to be on this side with Valerie and Kyle. Jesse and I will be over here as well on the sides of the stage. And we're going we're gonna to pray with you. And remember, God is a God of order. 
Y'all can stand on up. But we're also going to leave the altar open this morning. Or if you just need to get with the Lord, remember last week, that message is true today. If you just need to get with the Lord, you're already spirit-filled, you speak in tongues and all those things, and you just need to kneel before the Lord, come up this morning and have your own time. If you need to fan that flame, maybe you're, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but you haven't done it in a while. Come on up. Just fan that flame this morning. But I want to ask this for everybody else. As we just let the music play this morning, and you're, you speak in tongues, and you use that gift, and everything I said today is not news to you, this is what I ask you. I need you right now to just intercede from your seats for those that are going to come up this morning. This is the next thing for our church. And I, I'm not going to do a sales pitch because this is, not, this is not a measure of me. This is about you and the Lord and what is next for you. So we're just going to spend some time in worship and prayer. If you need any other prayer, by the way, if you need anything, come up. We'll pray for you as well. But this is your moment. Do not wait. God is knocking on the door of your heart right now. So thank you, Jesus. Come on up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Move in this place, oh God. Let your fire fall, Lord God. Thank you for these moments. Thank you for these moments as we worship you. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move.